0: We got Verizon 5G Home Internet. It's from Verizon. Safe choice, right? Well, some things that look great
1: end up being not
0: so great. Like the time you bought a shrimp roll from a gas station.
1: Or when you bought that used sports car.
0: (laughs) What about when we got Billy that drum set?
1: The point is, Verizon 5G Home Internet sounds... Did great,
0: but turned out to be something else. And we deserve fast, reliable internet. We deserve Xfinity. It's time for better internet. Switch to Xfinity. Learn more at Xfinity.com/slash Verizon 5G Facts. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your hosts from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Cazorro. Always lit, talking Steelers. And now. Here's
1: Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 77. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, getting ready for what should be an exciting slate of games this divisional weekend. Dave, how you doing?
0: Doing good on this Friday and happy Friday uh, to everybody that's uh, listening and just, you know, quick shout out. We don't do it enough, probably at the top of the show, which I do it at, you know, the end of some shows and all like that. But uh, uh, shout out to, you know, just the uh, listeners and readers of I it. Mean, just fantastic. It's amazing when you look at the traffic in the, in the uh, on the site and, you know, the overall numbers of the listenership, you know, well after a, a week into the off season here and, uh, how strong, in fact, you know, numbers seem to even be getting better here since <laughs> the, maybe people are glad the season's over, uh, with now, obviously there's been some news, the whole uh, offensive coordinator thing and all like that. And, uh, at some point it'll probably start dipping down a little bit here, but, uh, shout out to you. If you go to steedersdepot.com and on a regular basis. And, and also if you, you are a regular listener, listener to this show, we uh, certainly do appreciate you.
1: Absolutely. And let's get into the big news of the day, Dave, with some seemingly coaching finality to the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff. The Steelers, just I believe, shortly after we spoke on Wednesday, uh, it was reported. (laughs) Yeah, because that's just how this thing goes. Uh, It was reported and then confirmed by the team that Matt Canada will remain as Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator. And so that is the final decision, which is the way things had seemed to be trending. There was that report Tuesday that Tomlin hadn't made any final coaching decisions due to some sort of personal issue, but that seems to be, I guess, relatively minor. And the decision was essentially already made by that point that Canada will stay. So like it or not. And I know that 98% of people don't like it, but Matt Canada will be the OC in 2023.
0: Nobody knew anything what was going to happen. It was just speculation all, all this time, you know, Ray Fittapato's, Paulo saying he's going to get five, you know, uh, it seemed like every three days or something, there was something along the lines of he's, 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 you know, he's going to be retained. He's going to be, uh, he's going to go. And, uh, no, nobody knew, uh, overall how this thing was going to turn out, but I, I'll tell you this, once you started to put, you know, once, once we started talking more about, uh, you know, the contract and, and all like that, and you start looking back at the history and, you know, Things, you know, my my view started to go from, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I think I, where did I end up at sixty one percent or whatnot? That he was probably going to stay, but even so, you know, I, I wasn't fully convinced it was going to go one way or the other. There. So now, what are we supposed to do, Alex? Are we supposed to spend the next hour here bitching about it, or <laughs> no. uh, to, to to make the fan base happy or the listener? I mean, I, p- people should know now that that you know, we we don't you know. I, I, at this point, you know, what What do people want us to do? It's happened. The, the decision's been made. You can certainly be unhappy with it, but to sit here and gripe about it now for between now and the start of the 2023 season is just, it's not productive at all. Now, uh, you know, uh, you look at stuff, even Greg Cosell commented on the Ross Tucker podcast, I think yesterday or the day before, uh, talking about, you know, the Steelers offense and all like that. And it's, it's, it's a lot of the things that we've laid out, you know, since really the middle of the season and on and, and finally you start to see more people, write And talk about get, giving it more traction on, uh, yards after the catch. Well, where we heard that before, Alex, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, that's something that we, we hit on. I mean, really, really early in the season really started to highlight more middle of the season that, you know, this team, needed to find a way to start getting more yards after the catch. And, you know, explosive plays, it goes without saying. Uh, We talked a lot about independent route concepts and how uh, this team has got to, you know, know, the offensive coordinator has got to do a better job of, of mixing in, you know, better route combinations, switch routes. Uh uh, we need to see things with more people running in space. Where the, where is the more over routes? Uh uh using the backside of but you know several of the things that, that we've talked about from you know most of the season, you know it it is it shouldn't surprise anybody at this point. Now uh I guess the biggest you know thing people people want to know now is why are they sticking with
1: him? Yeah, I think the, the big answers to that is one, for the sake of continuity, the, the sense that this offense, in terms of the players, will essentially be the same group next year. There are no significant free agents. The the biggest names are Zach Gentry and, and Derek Watt, to put that in perspective. And so they went through the growing pain so much this year, the first half of the season of uh, quarterback changes and, of course, the post Ben era. And a young group overall that was trying to learn, find its way, find an identity, figure out how to win. And they started to make strides there the second half of the season. And I think their calculation was right or wrong was if you bring in a new OC, you're going to restart some of those growing pains the first month of 2023. And you want to kind of hit the ground running with that whole group back. And so I think that was a big reason. And also just simply this team does not fire coordinators they just don't do it until their contracts expire and Canada is under contract through 2023 I do think it's a little bit of the maybe a bit of the loyalty thing it actually probably a little bit of the cheapness of the Roonies in the sense that we don't want to be we don't want to pay a coach to sit at home or coach against us and so I think that's a little bit of their calculation as well but I don't want to take this as a victory lap but I think we one of the first people to mention back in November that hey this guy might be coming back we speculate about the contract and this offense you know making some level of improvement so i didn't i didn't call it then i said i wasn't sure what was going to happen to him but i think for a while now we've been kind of mentioning that hey don't be surprised if this guy comes back and for me as soon as as the season ended i thought you know pretty coin flip but i was leaning towards him returning and, and now he is
0: yeah and i think you make a good point with a continuity aspect there now uh you know another narrative floating around is uh you know how much did did mike tomlin play a role in, in trying to keep it simple, stupid, uh, you know, trying to, trying to not do too much and ask your quarterback to do too much. In other words, taking the old Devlin Hodges approach, don't lose us, lose us the game. Right. Uh, 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 you, you, know, you go back to that because you got a first year quarterback and all like that. And, and the, 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 the other side argument of that is, look at what that kid's doing over in San Francisco, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't look like Shanny has, uh, any, any limitations on, on that kid, you know, over there now, also within that people will say, well, there's not a lot of tape on that kid. Well, look, there's a, there's, there's a good chunk of games of, of, of tape on Purdy now at this point, but they really haven't, I mean, now look, we obviously study the Steelers closer than we do every other team, but I mean, just on the surface, and you know, last couple of weeks and all, and kind of paying more attention to the 49ers, doesn't seem like they've changed. Doesn't seem like Shanahan's, you know, put any handcuffs uh, on 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 that kid. But you know, back to to the original statement, there is, uh, or or you know, question is how much of a role do you think or uh, is Mike Tomlin's philosophy in end this. Whereas, you know, Matt, let's just keep it, keep it simple on Kenny Pickett here. Let's not add too much, uh, uh on, on, on top of everything. We just don't want him to turn the football over and we'd rather win 1917 instead of, you know, losing 31 to 17.
1: Sure. And that was definitely their calculation. I think it was kind of their thought the entire year. It maybe was tweaked and certainly executed better the back half of the season, but they kind of knew coming in with the quarterback uncertainty and, you know, with a before week one, a healthy TJ Watt. I think the plan always was to really rely on the strength of their defense and, and the run game in your first round pick. And Najee Harris coming off a pretty good rookie season. So I don't think Matt Canada was had a, a different philosophy too dramatically from what Tomlin, I'm sure the entire organization kind of knew that we have to win with a good defense and keeping scores down. And so I don't think there was a big revelation from Tomlin or a big mandate that, that shocked the entire group or anything. Um, so I understand why they did what they did. Um, I guess the real focus for 2023 is just, okay, you know, we understood that's what it took to win or compete in 2022. What can you do to build off of that and evolve? And ultimately, you know, my article yesterday was, to use the Tomlin phrase that he's become pretty fond of, it's time to land the plane. We can, stop, we can stop talking about excuses and stop talking about getting better and making progress. The offense will be back almost in its entirety. Canada's back. You know, Pickett will be the, the guy going in, coming off a, a couple of good weeks to end his rookie season. It's time to actually produce. Put up or shut up, that is the only thing that matters in 2023.
0: We need to score more points. <laughs>
1: That <laughs> That is burned in my memory from every Thursday.
0: Uh, and you know what? They need to score more points. And uh, the look, you got uh, and, and you highlighted this. Well, you got a you got a nucleus of a of super young uh, offense uh, in place. Now uh, you were able to get. You know Pickens on the field quite a bit. Obviously, Kenny Pickett played a lot of games. Uh, you 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 ended up in a situation where I, I thought they really managed. If they did one thing well offensively in the second half of the season, it was managing uh, the running back tandem back there, and uh, that combined with the offensive line playing a little bit better. Uh, you know, uh, I, I I thought that was a positive coming out of all that. And uh, but within all that now is you know, you might add a piece or two to that during the, in, in the draft or in free agency and an offensive lineman uh and, and, or another wide receiver. And obviously we'll see what happens with, 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 Calvin Austin and, you know, how much you can start getting him involved in this thing. And if he can uh, catch the moving train, so to speak, but I mean, there, there should be no oh, growing pains type excuses or anything like that. I mean, th- this, this team should be, and another thing that we hit on is you know, it's nice to have 13, 14, 15 play drives at, at certain points of the season, but you cannot rely on that. It's just not sustainable. You've got to have the explosive plays, you've got to have uh, the, 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 the yards after the catch. And they just, you know, all that was, was, was non existent. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it, it, they have got to come out and shoot. Uh, and you know, more importantly, I mean, if you're not scoring 24 points a game uh, uh, on the low side in today's NFL, it just, or it just, feels like you're doing it wrong. You know, and now you, are you going to have to win some games, uh, 20 to 17? Yeah, I think so with this team, but predominantly, and you kind of look at the schedule and just look at the landscape of the NFL. I mean, it just, it really feels like 24 points when the dust settles better be your average.
1: Yeah, this this offense the last 2 years has ranked 21st and 26th in points per game and is that entirely Canada's fault? You know, we understand there were obstacles and difficulties of, you know, trying to mesh with Ben in 21 and trying to deal with the new pieces of 22, but eventually excuses have to run out and it's all about production and what you do and players are of course responsible for that, so this is not you know, either or Canada or the players, it's both and everyone has to do their job, but you're always, you know, reflective of, of, of your team's total. And, um, I, I think at the least to try to set some sort of more specific bars, as you said, 24 points per game, at least be in the, the top half of points per game, you know, 14th, 15th, something at the least, not, not expecting this offense to be top five or put up 30 points per game. That's not going to be how they're built in our likelihood, um, given the other top offenses in football. But you got to be out of the 20s, and you got to be in the top half of the league. To me, that would be real, tangible progress.
0: And here's another thing. You know, we talk about the first, I think the first six games next season, because of the amount that he started this year. Uh, those are the really... Those are the those are going to be really important games I feel for Kenny Pickett when it comes to okay uh, he, you know is he picking up where he left off is he taking that next step or not uh kind of thing there there, there might be some uh you know kind of growing pains within that and also you know I think uh, you know on top of it is you know if there are you know find, finding some more footing you know areas at early next season i tell you what, the damn defense better be on point, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and there, there's going to be some questions about this defense going into this offseason with several of these free agents. We'll see how many of them. Uh, I mean, that's another great argument for, man, as many guys as they can get back you know, from this ending unit, the Demonte Casey, the Terrell Edmonds, the Cameron Sutton. Uh, I'm not convinced it's going to happen with Larry Joby but if you can do it for the right price, absolutely, uh, you're going to have some guys go out the door. You know, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, in 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 Devin Bush, uh, you know, if you can get some of these key pieces back, uh, you know, these these lower end pieces back that are make up the whole but, uh, but on, uh, you know, when, when they stand on themselves, they don't look, you know, all that significant, but if you can get a good portion of this defense back and keep it healthy and then add, you know, a kick-ass, you know, young defensive lineman up front. And obviously, you know, uh, you know, maybe one of these young kids, Mark Robinson, or maybe you go to the draft for an inside linebacker. I think that's going to be real, real key. in at least the first, let's say third of next season. But from that point out, once we, you know, they better they better go 4 and 2 in those in those first 6 games I guess and then you know or at worst 3 and 3 and then you better really start seeing it take off uh, you know, at that point you better start seeing that 24 point a game uh, uh average come into play there because I, I think that's the way you win in the NFL now you know we, we can lay out all those parameters there you know where where is your confidence level in Matt Canada getting that done
1: uh, I'm not sure yet. I want to see what the the whole roster looks like by the time they hit training camp because there are going to be some additions there. Um, you know, I I would have personally moved on from Canada. I don't think he's the long term guy. My my fear and my concern. I kind of had a bit of a snarky tweet after uh, the news that Canada was staying it was made official that you know I'm really looking forward to a year from now. Canada and this offense having a eh, kind of year. Canada parting ways with after his contract expires and this team looking for a new OC about this time uh, one calendar year from now. And I feel like in some sense, we're almost maybe delaying the inevitable here um, because I don't know if this offense is truly going to make that jump under Matt Kennedy. I think there's talent in there and there's weapons and there's guys that will make a jump. And hopefully that's enough to to really result in some serious production. But my concern is that we're just delaying this whole process by one year.
0: Now everybody wants Byron Leftwich in to breathe, some sort of consultant and all like that. You know, uh, you know, they're trying to frame it as be the Brian Flores of 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 the offense. I, I do people forget that you got Mike Sullivan over there. You know, uh, a, a guy that's been around the league for a while. I mean, do you, does this offense really need another set of eyes? Does Matt Canada really need somebody else looking up over his shoulder here?
1: Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say he needs it. It would depend on what exactly the role is. I know some people have said, well, make Witch the, the pass game coordinator. It, essentially, in Pittsburgh, Matt Canada is the pass game coordinator because the O-line coach handles the bulk of the run game responsibilities. At least that's how it's been for a long time. I assume it's still that way right now. It's what Mike Bunchak did in Pittsburgh, and I believe Pat Meyer is still doing the same right now. So basically, the OC is is handling the quarterback play in the pass game, obviously still working with the offensive line coach on the run game, but the O-line coach is kind of in charge in the de facto run game coordinator, which makes DOC the, the de facto pass game coordinator. And so, you know, if you brought Leftwich in, I mean, OK, if you had a specific role and you kind of felt like it could fit. I mean, this is a pretty small coaching staff overall, so wouldn't be a bad thing to maybe add some more people, but I'm not pining for it the way that most people are.
0: Yeah, to me, it just it feels like something to write about. <laughs> or talk yeah, about. just an
1: idea. It's just one of those floaty, vague things. Bring the guy in, and you know, if you had a plan for him and you had a specific, you know, reason, then then I guess. Um, but I think some people are trying to do it in the sense of oh, hire left witch, and then you can let go of Canada next year and just promote left witch. It feels like one of those things, which. Isn't the way I, I would expect Pittsburgh to operate? No,
0: no, I I wouldn't either. I mean, we'll obviously see how this goes. I mean, you know, the longer that I I, I really feel that if Byron Leftwich does not land another offensive coordinator spot, uh, he's going to end up a quarterback coach somewhere, uh, or he might sure. take a year off. You know, but uh, uh, to me that 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 kind of feels like the like the case. I I you know, and do you really? Do you really want a guy stay? You know, once again, you've got Mike Sullivan there. I mean, you, you and 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 you know, I, I just think it's it it's con, you know it's going too far there
1: with. The, and I mean, you have well, an assistant in David Corley. So You have an assistant right. quarterback coach as well. Um, so what exactly would left which add? You know, I'm sure you could carve out a role for him, but is it a, a need for this team right now? I doubt it.
0: I agree. And look, the whole Flores thing, too, that, that was a whole different situation. The guy, <laughs> Tomlin, just trying to help the guy out and wanted, you know, uh, to me, it's, just, it's different parameters of why Flores sure. was brought on.
1: Sure. But maybe Tomlin saw, hey, there's value in adding this really smart sure. coach that I didn't have a role for him exactly, but we kind of you know figured it out and made it work as the, as the year went along. Right. Um. So I'm not 100% against it, but I'm, again, I'm not, not banging the table for it. But again, just my concern with Canada is... It goes just a bit better, but still not very good next year. And then he, you know, he's let go, and we're just doing this process all over. And then we're a further year in where Pickett has another year to unlearn this stuff. If you're going to make a change. I'm of the mindset I've ripped that Band-Aid off quickly and, and, and make it now as opposed to waiting a year. Because the longer you're in the system, the harder it is to unlearn it. I understand there's concern about changing coordinators on a young quarterback and a young offense overall. But if he's not the right guy, Canada is not the guy to be the long-term person then, you know, you're either making the change now or making the change later, and I prefer to make the change now.
0: I think now that the season's over, you're starting to hear uh, a lot of players harken back to the bye week, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Canada and, you know, him kind of, I guess, you know, addressing and laying out things and uh, on the surface. And now, obviously, look, are they going to say, you know what? Uh, that No, that wasn't good. But it seems seems like the conversation of the bye week is coming up unprovoked.
1: No, they they talked about that a lot, even right after the bye week, they said about the hard conversation. I remember Najee Harris talking about, you know, the difficult conversations and kind of the reset button they hit. So it seems like that was certainly a big turning point for this entire team.
0: So, you know, was it a buy-in moment? But once again, it goes back to, man, this team's going to be extremely young overall on offense. They're, they're, you know, there's probably a piece or two coming, maybe uh, via draft or free agency there. Uh, but uh, uh, and you know, Kenny Pickett's talking about getting the guys down there in Florida. It's going to be his show now. He's uh, obviously going to have a lot more, you know, input. He, you know, he's not new to this and all. So yeah, I mean, the the you know, it is yeah, as you stated, it is time for for. uh I, I don't want him to lay in the plane. I want him to take the plane to new levels, you know, but <laughs> I mean, I, I get your analogy there going back to, to, to things that Mike Tomlin said, you know, during the season and all like that. Uh, I just, you know, I, 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 am I, I have trouble seeing Matt Canada, get some things into that offense that we need to see, you know, more guys, you know, running, you know, uh, second level type stuff, uh, uh, that you see other successful teams do on a regular basis, most notably the, you know, the 49ers man, you know, and, you know, Kenny's talked about being in the West coast offense before under Whipple and already have kind of his footing, uh, in that really how the only, the running game to some degree was a little bit different coming to the NFL level. I mean, it, it, this, this really should be going to the next level here.
1: Absolutely. And there's going to be obstacles and issues next year. I can almost guarantee the offensive line will not be as healthy next year as it was this year, but you can't keep making excuses every single year as a coach. You have the pieces in place. They're going to, you you know, what your offense is essentially. And if you add to it, it'll only make it better. You're not uh, going to have any big subtractions and things you have to overcome. Um, But yeah, the reason why I say land the plane is for that Tomlin phrase. And plus, You know what they call landing the plane, a touchdown. And this team needs more touchdowns in 2023. Right, exactly. Uh, I want to mention here on Brian Flores, this was already reported, but I believe the interview happened either Thursday or potentially late Wednesday night. Brian Flores officially interviewing with the Atlanta Falcons for their D.C. position. No further update on when any potential official interview would take place in Arizona as their head coach um so atlanta you can check that box on the interview now we wait as they interview some more people as well and right now really no big update on the arizona job
0: right and i mean you would think uh he's 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 in the runner for that
1: yeah it seems like he's still one of the favorites for the job now again what happens to sean payton that's a, a big thing there i've been saying for i think last episode or so that I believe Sean Payton is the guy that everyone's waiting on because most of the teams with head coaching vacancies are have interviewed or requested interviews with Sean Payton and so once that gets settled that's the first domino to fall and once that happens I think coaches uh, coaching hirings happen pretty quickly around the NFL right one loss the Pittsburgh we should know Sp- soon right I hope so but it just depends on because the Payton situation's more complicated where he's got a lot of teams after him and there's a trade component with the Saints there's a lot of layers to that. That's, that's probably gumming up the system uh, more than a usual coaching cycle. So I really couldn't give you a, a good timetable on that. Plus I believe that the Panthers were going to interview Sean Payton. There was a, a death uh, to a soccer player um, of the soccer club that the Panthers owner, David Tepper owns. And so that's been delayed. And so we may not know until probably next week in, in terms of some of the finality of, of these decisions, but uh, to bring it back to Pittsburgh, uh, they are going to be losing um, one member of this coaching staff at least in Blaine Stewart, assistant receivers coach, who's worn a a lot of hats for this organization. Uh, he is going to West Virginia for a, a position there, and so um, Stewart, the son of the late Bill Stewart, who of course coached West Virginia for for quite some time, will go back to his dad's uh, uh, place there.
0: Country roads, take me home,
1: right? <laughs> And Mary John Denver here. I like Blaine Stewart. Uh, I'm surprised it, it, it took him this long, to be honest. Um, I think the COVID stuff probably messed it up. I had reported back in 2020, he nearly became West Virginia's wide receiver coach then, and it fell through at the last second. Um, and now he did not go to West Virginia. He went to James Madison, um, but uh, he was a guy that kind of served as co-receiver's coach in 2019 with Ray Sherman after the uh, tragic death of Daryl Drake. Uh Stewart also helped out uh, Danny Smith on special teams quite a bit. So a pretty versatile guy that uh, Pittsburgh's unfortunately losing.
0: All right. Other than that, though, it doesn't sound like, and that's dangerous at this point of the all season. Uh, doesn't sound like they're going to be any other changes.
1: Right. Um. If I think if any, you know, non renewals or the contracts would have been announced by now. What happened as you're trying to replace those guys? And you know, some speculation about a Danny Smith retirement, but he's he loves football. It's all he does, and so it sounds like he'll be back next year. Okay. All right, to take it from there, Heinz Ward, uh, as the XFL is getting ready to start their season here uh, pretty shortly. Ward, uh, one of the XFL head coaches, he spoke with Jim Rome on the uh, Jim Rome podcast and talked about his Hall of Fame situation and the frustration he's feeling about not being in Canton, Ohio. And I know that our stance, you and I, Dave, on Ward is pretty well understood in the Hall of Fame aspect. But I think, towards credit, he made probably the best arguments you can make for Heinz Ward. Not even so much about the blocking, which is where I think most people turn towards. He talked about Ward did how successful he was in the postseason, and his great postseason stats, which is absolutely true. And so he said, you know, Ward said in his his estimation that the Hall of Fame was about winners and guys who made those clutch plays. And Ward certainly made a, a lot of clutch plays in his career.
0: First and foremost, I, I when I when I found that interview, I thought, okay, this will be a you know 13, 14 minute you know kind of standard interview. It's 40, forty like thirty eight uh, almost 40 minutes long, I think, uh, in there. Uh, it is a very good interview. I mean, if you're looking for something to kind of wind down the weekend, uh, with, uh, go search that out. Your, know, uh, uh, Alex obviously has it linked, uh, in, 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 I think a few posts that we did, uh, coming out of that and all, but if you, if you really want a good interview, I mean, it, 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 uh, Jim Rome really does a good job with it, with Heinz Award and, I, I think the, the 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 thing that stuck, man. If you can't sell yourself, then <laughs> then then who can sell you? And mm-hmm. I uh I think the thing that really caught my attention. And I think it's about halfway through in it when when he's asked about Hall of Fame and all like that. Uh, you know, I think and, and it's not new stuff. It's just I think the way Hines Ward kind of framed his own uh kind of resume when it comes to potentially being in the Hall of Fame. I, mean, I think he did a really, really good job, and it, and and it, and it is very hard to argue against a lot of the things that he said. were most of the things that he said, uh, he did make sure. Look, I'm not first team, but it's, you know, what do you say? Twice uh, 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 second team All Pro and all like that. And uh, I mean, he did a good job with framing it. Now, people say, "Oh, well, all that and Dave and Alex, you, you guys still hate Heinz Ward." We don't hate Heinz Ward people we would love nothing more to see Heinz Ward get in the Hall of Fame I uh, just to, just the whole log jam thing and a lot of the other aspects of of the the not having the first team up. look if, if you could say a lot a lot of the things you know uh that that Heinz Ward said about maybe some other position groups and it's still going to probably translate where it's going to be tough for those guys to get in. Now the, the argument against this, well, there's so many, there's so many wide receivers and, and, and that's what makes it hard. You know, what did he say? There's only three, uh, three first team, all pros or something. I think he said uh, uh, awards given or, or something along those lines uh, there annually when he was going through, you know, him not get, being a first team guy, but, but that's part of the argument here. and, uh, the other thing is, yeah, the, the eras were different. Uh, it's not his fault. He had to play with a young Ben Roethlisberger early in his career and, you know, run based, a very run based offense and all like that. When you think about though, too, where, where he kind of overlapped into the eras of, of going from more run based offenses into, you know, the modern day passing era that also is going to hurt him because by the time and he's down that kind of that log jam that we talk about all the time and by the time some of that log jam gets filtered down and it has started to filter down a little bit there you're going to start seeing some of these aunt DeAndre you know you're going to see people from more of a modern era start get mixed into the talk and put their names on the list and those guys you know people go the, the voters are going to start comparing the two apples as if they're mm-hmm. apples to apples instead of apples to oranges. And then that's just going to, you know, continue to hurt Heinz Ward, I think. And it's, it, it it goes back to kind of our main arguments of why we think this is going to take time. Not not so much that Heinz Ward doesn't, you know, if you drill it down and you present it the way Heinz Ward actually presented it, that he doesn't deserve to get in. It's just. Big picture, it it just it feels like it's going to be hard for him to get in. It might be one of those uh, senior committee guys down down the road his best chance.
1: Well, in all fairness, I've said that I wouldn't personally vote Heinz Ward in just if I was looking at his resume from an unbiased perspective. Just right. Based well, I on mean, the, that, the weight and, and, of the resume.
0: Right. Right. And I feel the same based on everything that we just said, be, because of the first team and because of where he ranked. Because he. Never truly considered one of the top wide receivers in 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 the league in any given year. You know, right?
1: Yeah, I just want to I want to make that clear. Um, but but towards point again, focusing on what he did in the postseason, all time he's seventh in playoff receptions. He's ninth in receiving yards. He's tied fifth all time with ten playoff receiving touchdowns, and of course had the the big one in Super Bowl, XL that uh, forty three yard uh, catch from Antoine Randall. So so point will in there, but. Um, yeah, just to to put the numbers to, to the point that you're making this year in, in this year's class, seven of the 28 semifinalists were wide receivers, and then Ward losing out to Tory Holt, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, even Devin Hester, if you want to call him return man, corner receiver, whatever. Um, not all those guys will get in, and so we can presume that those guys will probably remain ahead of Ward for the foreseeable future. And then, as you said, when every year new guys get added, new guys become eligible. It's just a logjam that will never, you can never escape from. It's a little like offensive lineman. Where it takes a long time for these guys to filter through, and for Ward, I think just kind of just stuck right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just, it, I mean, it's gonna, it's probably gonna feel like Groundhog Day for him for quite a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those always the bridesmaid, never the bride. He's one a seven time semifinalist and that's as close as he's gotten. He's never been a finalist, right?
0: I don't believe he has. Has he? I don't. I, like, I'd have
1: to check. It's always so. a
0: sem- semi-finalist and then right. it gets cut down from there and he doesn't make the list.
1: Right. And the,
0: and the moment that he, and it might come, I mean, is there in the next few years because of kind of this new uh, influx of, you know, the guys that played, and came into the league maybe slightly ahead of him uh, or, or, or you know, a few years after him, you know, is there going to come a time in the next couple of years where he's not even making a semi-finalist list? And when that happens, it, it, you really start falling off the map. Right sure. on. How
1: long can you be on a ballot for anyway? Is it 10 years? I'm just I'm looking. Oh, at. I baseball. don't
0: know.
1: I, I'm trying to see. I think it might I be longer think. than that. 20 year, 20 year eligible. OK, was longer than that. So, I mean, Ward will be on that ballot still for for a while? But, yeah, I'm with you. I think a, a senior committee or whatever the NFL calls it, you know, a, a far down the road may be his best path.
0: I mean, look, if he's going to, you know, if he's going to uh, end up making it, he's really going to have to have someone in there uh, be able to sell him extremely hard. And then, you know, uh, how much is this, the the Steeler bias real at this point because of how many they got in, you know, early on, uh, you know, from the 70s and all like that? Uh, you're going to have obviously Ben Roethlisberger added to the list of uh, uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, Pouncy's name's obviously going to start maybe coming up at some. You know, it's just it's going to be one of those. Uh, you know, it's always going to be something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: it, let me let me ask fun. you this: Do you believe? And we've had had this discussion a bit before. But do you believe the next Steeler to get enshrined will be Ben, or will it be somebody else before Ben in twenty twenty seven?
0: Uh I think it'll be Ben, right? I think it. I think it will be Ben.
1: I think so too. I don't think. James Harrison's the one, I think he got off to a kind of bumpy start because you have the couple guys ahead of him. He didn't make, if you you make the finalist year one, I think you got a pretty good shot to get in at some point. If you're semi-finalist as Harrison was year one, and you have what uh, DeMarcus Ware, Jared Allen, and there's somebody else. I think Dwight Freeney got in ahead of him as a a finalist, I want to say. So essentially that means that all three of those guys probably have to get in before Harrison has a chance to get in. Plus you had more people in the future that could be tough. Maybe on Harrison, I'm a little less optimistic than I was before uh, this year, but I I think that Ben will be the next to get in.
0: Yeah, I I would
1: agree with Pouncey. He'll be eligible a year before Ben. I think he could get in, but it's going to take time. Just give an offensive lineman take forever. Look how long it took Fannica to get in and Fannica to Kevin
0: Mawaii.
1: Right. Uh, Steve Hutchinson. So if Pouncey does get in, it's borderline. I think you're looking at at least five years there. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And, I,
0: and, I, and I'm not even sure. 100% sure that Pouncey does get
1: in. You no, know? no, I'm not 100% sure either. But anyway, I thought Ward to his credit. I know we've, we've downplayed the Hall of Fame chances quite a bit. I just want to take the other perspective here for a moment. And I thought Ward stated his case well, and it probably in fact, I think it is the best argument to make when you want to make the case for Heinz Ward. Focus on what he did in the playoffs. That's going to be the best argument you could present to voters to give him a chance to finally advance. Uh, I
0: I hundred percent, hundred percent agree, and that's why I you know I wanted to add it to the list of topics to talk about on this show today because I I it, once again it is a uh, an extremely good interview. He talks about. You know what he's wanting to accomplish in the XFL as a head coach now, and it transitions into, uh, uh, you know, Hall of Fame talk, and just I mean, once again, if you if you're looking for something to listen to, and even if you just want to fast forward to the halfway mark when he's talking about, uh, uh his Hall of Fame, you know, uh, candidacy and all like that, it it, it 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 is a good listen. And as Alex said, I mean, <laughs> no nobody makes a stronger argument than he does.
1: <laughs> and I've always liked Jim Rome. I've always been a kind of a Jim Rome fan. I,
0: me, me too. I, you know, I listened to him, I, you know, uh, all those years in the jungle and uh, the smack off and all, I, I've, I've thought Jim Rome always does as uh, has always done a good job when it comes to interviews really seems to relate good to players.
1: Speaking of media, Kenny Pickett going on a pretty heavy, heavy uh, media like tour here this week. He had a sit down on Steelers.com and then was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. And that's always uh, pretty interesting there. Nothing super groundbreaking. He did have an interesting comment, though, talking about about two, three weeks in after he be- was named the starter. So we'll call it, I don't know, probably week six, week seven, week eight, something like that. Um he said that Mike Tomlin allowed Pickett to attend staff meetings early in the week. So we get the game plan as early as possible and really kind of get a jump on things, which um, to hear Chuck Pagano, one of the uh, co-hosts, I guess you want to call it on the, on the McAfee show uh, McAfee show said that's pretty unusual to have a quarterback kind of sit in on those staff meetings, especially a young guy like Kenny Pickett. So uh, just kind of a testament to, you know, Pickett's uh, football IQ, his intelligence, his work ethic and, the trust that Mike Tomlin placed in him
0: and look, you'll have that continuity you would expect that to continue now, right? Uh, carry sure. over in, 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 into next season. And I think a few times now, Kenny's talked about having, you know, uh, uh, you know, having as many of the, you know, offensive guys down, down in Florida and get some work done there this offseason. That'll be, uh, absolutely fantastic. That way, you know, hitting OTAs, uh, uh, running and, and hitting training camp running so i think that, that that's another positive sign there and uh yeah that, that was a good little bit of uh nugget of info that that you know learned there. talked about probably why he's got a little bit better rapport uh, or, or you know during his rookie season uh with, with with pickens because you know those guys were in that second and third group a lot more at the at the start of things and you know, he obviously threw more to him. Uh, than then probably anybody else during that process. And, you know, that probably plays into the fact that, that why it was kind of hit and miss with guys like Deontay Johnson uh, and and Chase Claypool early on, those kind of things as well, too. But you're past all that stuff now. So, you know, you have a good off season and, and people stay healthy. And I would expect guys like Deontay and Pickens and Friar Muth and uh, Najee and, as many of these guys that they could get down there in Florida to attend that, I, I don't see sure. why you, you would think uh, anything other than that. So, uh, uh, that, but back to your point about him talking about being in the meetings, that was good to learn there. Uh, he wants to get on the peanut, peanut butter, je- peanut butter, uh, uh, banana sandwiches too, maybe right.
1: You're going to go all peanut butter jelly time on me for a yeah, second. That I, I almost like did. I, I, I,
0: I figured I would have broken. I mean, I, th- I figured I would have, uh, uh, kind of showed my age a little bit there. I don't even know if you knew what peanut butter jelly time was.
1: I get that from a Family Guy reference, which kind of okay. just shows the age of everybody in this conversation. Yeah, Pickett says he wants to bulk up. He came in at the combine last year, two nineteen. Said he was kind of a bit too lean as he was trying to get trying to get fast, I guess, for the, the the forty yard dash and all those events. And the combine training is not really akin to actual football training. They're two pretty separate things. And and I think it just. Frankly, it's probably hard to keep on weight when you're just constantly working. I've talked about this before, and Pickett did as well. The grind that is that first year for a rookie, it's not just playing your rookie year. You play your college year, you do draft prep, you're doing senior bowl potential stuff, you're doing combine, you're doing pro day, you're doing visits, you're doing all this stuff, then you you get drafted. Two weeks later, it's rookie minicamp, OTAs, a small break, training camp, preseason, regular season, playoffs, potentially not for Pickett this year. Obviously, it is a grind and sort of finally just be able to catch your breath after the, the first full season ends is good and kind of refocus and then you can some gain some weight. And so Pickett says he wants to bulk up, didn't say to what weight, I don't know, 225, maybe something like that, right. but wants to add a bit of weight this offseason.
0: Look, you, uh, you know, you hear the you hear it thrown around all the time, right? Boy, the game is slowing down for me, you know. How about the offseason is slowing down?
1: Right. Well, Pickett <laughs> said he, you know, he did the interview from his locker room, which I, which right. I from his locker, room, which I kind of appreciate he said he's, he's right back at it.
0: But it's a different type of grind.
1: Yeah, I mean, things have slowed down you can catch You know what's breath. coming? Right. It's not this wide-eyed rookie thing anymore.
0: Right. So, uh, yeah, uh uh good on him. What what else stuck out from what he had to say?
1: Well, he mentioned mm-hmm. this about his footwork. He wanted to right. improve his footwork a bit. So, you know, I'm sure there's things technically. He, he's a pretty, I think, mechanically clean quarterback, but certainly always things you can improve upon.
0: And I guess he's going to be on the Big Ben podcast. We talked about that. Someone asked about that the other day at the end of the show. And uh, uh sounds like that's going to happen. So that ought to be to hear uh, the past quarterback and the future quarterback spend a good 45 minutes together on the show ought, ought, ought to be uh, pretty, pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I know that for Ben's live show, not that we're uh, sponsoring or promoing it, but I believe that's going to be in a week from now. There is going to be one Steeler on there in Pat Frymuth. It's going to be a panel of Bob Pompiani, Angie McCutcheon, Pat Frymouth, and Ben. So the most, most yinzer combination you can have, <laughs> but but should be a good time.
0: Yeah, it should be. What else? Uh, what, Anything else stick out from the interview?
1: Well, yeah, he did mention, and we've mentioned this before, but I think Pickett again kind of seems to to speak strongly to it, and I, I think even referenced he'll train with him in, in Florida, maybe with some Steelers as well as Jordan Addison, and basically said, you know, I would love to have this team draft uh, Jordan Addison, and so that will be the first time he said, not the last time, I'm sure that Pickett has said it, but the Jordan Addison Pittsburgh buzz continues.
0: Yeah, we're going to be writing about that every 3 weeks have a film about.
1: <laughs> More like every week probably. I feel like we've been writing about it a ton already. Now the question is just where does he go and does his team take a receiver that high? Um I'll have my scouting report on Addison I think tomorrow it's going to go up on on
0: All him. right. And uh, as, uh you know kind of other PA specific Tyler Wise has uh or not Tyler Wise uh Jonathan Tritter has uh uh the Porter kid up today.
1: Yeah, Joey Porter Jr. scouting report. Although Tyler did one on Penn State wa- uh, wide receiver Parker Washington, so there's a lot of uh, local ties here on the site. But uh, somebody said, and I'm I'm kind of just trusting Twitter here for a second that Joey Porter has 35 inch arms. I don't know if he really has 35 inch arms. He might, but that would be a borderline record.
0: Man, he's long. Isn't he? Yeah.
1: I think so. I see that long is the question, but uh, interesting uh, note there. by Joey Porter Jr., Jordan Addison playing all the Steelers' uh, greatest hits here when we're talking about you know potential mock drafts. Anything else from either Pickett or anybody? We mentioned Grady Brown being the D.C. for the Senior Bowl. Also, Denzel Martin's going to coach in that one as well as an outside linebackers coach. And so I wrote today on Steelers Depot that you know, not right now, but maybe, you know, could Grady Brown be that first true branch of the Mike Tomlin coaching tree?
0: It's possible. I mean, there's it's a seedling right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he'll, he'll obviously be back in Pittsburgh next year, but could that be a, a potential future D.C. somewhere? If he's getting senior bowl interest now, typically a recognition for young and up and coming coaches based on conversations around the league. You got Luke Getzey, Brandon Graham. Or Patrick Graham, excuse me, coaching the senior bowl. And those are kind of two young up and comer, pretty well-respected coordinators. Um, So that's generally a sign the league kind of has an eye on these guys. And, um, you know, to have Brown on that list two years into the NFL is, to me, pretty notable.
0: Uh, Anything uh, from uh, Big Ben on uh, DVE that you want to
1: discuss? I can check. Not Nothing. Cause we listen to the podcast that he does so much. There's really not a whole lot new. He's still showing some, some public outward faith in, uh, Matt Canada. Other than that, I mean, just said, you know, seeing some more downfield shots, really nothing, all that, uh, notable.
0: And who else spoke that was, uh, seemed like we're missing somebody that, uh, Oh, uh, what'd you think about Greg Cosell's, uh, we kind of hit on a little bit of what he had to say about the offense uh, earlier, uh, uh, Najee Harris.
1: Yeah, he's been pretty critical of Harris throughout. He had, so he called him pedestrian back in October, I think it was. And so, you know, Cosell's a guy that values some of the big explosive plays that, that you've talked about. And so he, you know, questioned if Harris could really be that guy. But I like to set up with Harris and Warren and. Obviously, Harris is going to be the starting back next year.
0: I think the I think the benefit is the uh, kind of the thunder and lightning combination. Uh, you know, as I've said right from the get go, uh, one of my major concerns about Najee Harris was. The explosive play aspect that you're just probably not going to get that from him. He probably is going to end up being uh who he was in college as far as that production goes. Whereas Jalen Warren, I think, gives you uh the more likelihood to bust off, you know, 20 yards at a time, uh, uh whether it be via a run or via via you know a catch out of the backfield or something along those lines. Uh I think the two of them together makes Najee better, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. I agree. I think, you know, even though in in some sense it's counterintuitive because Warren was taking snaps away from Najee Harris, reducing his role, not making Harris a a workhorse back, every down back anymore. It's a a good thing for Harris and for this offense and for this run game because it kept Harris fresh and um, didn't put so much on his shoulders to grind him down by game's end or by season's end. So I... I understand Cosell's point and your point about Harris and not being a big play back, and he's never going to be that kind of guy. But I still think, you know, one half of the component of what creates big plays in the run game is that extra outside perimeter blocking by tight ends, by wide receivers. Oftentimes, what those guys do is they're as much responsible for the big play as the actual back is. I actually was going through. Now, I might do a video on this. Like, I had an idea a couple weeks ago. I was watching old Le'Veon Bell highlights. And Bell was never a big play, you know, 4-3 kind of guy. But I was watching some of his longest runs. And he would go watch, you know, see these receivers and tight ends block downfield and provide those key blocks that allowed the 20-plus yard runs to happen. And so, um, again, Harris is never going to be that guy that's going to lead the league in that category. But I think what receivers and tight ends and even offensive linemen downfield do is as responsible for big one plays as the actual back um, himself.
0: Well, when you're dealing with backs like that, yeah, I I think so. But, I mean, uh, there are are other running backs around the league that are able to create explosive plays more regularly without that extra additive on it.
1: Sure. No, of course. I mean, but, you know, J.K. Dobbins can create bigger plays than Najee Harris one-to-one. But I think for any system, any any run game, if you can get the downfield blocking by receivers and tight ends and linemen, you, you're going to have a better chance to get big plays. Okay, and it happened under Le'Veon Bell. So, and and that wasn't because Bell was a crazy fast back. It was you know, Marquise Pouncey running 40 yards downfield to provide blocks, and you know you had you know just some of those guys to really kind of put that extra effort in to to provide those blocks.
0: Well, one of my biggest. You know, things that was critical about Le'Veon Bell for all those years was, was the explosive plays, you know.
1: Right. But he had more than what Harris has had, which mm-hmm. is, you know, Harris's numbers pretty. I mean, he's got seven runs of 20 plus yards over the, his two years. That's like 1.2% of his carries. And I think he had, I think he had just one this year of 20 plus yards, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Uh, but anyway, anything else you want to talk about, Dave, anything else on your mind?
0: Uh, do we hit all the topics? Uh, no international games, uh, this year for the Steelers, the, uh, NFL released on yesterday, what is yesterday, Thursday, the designated teams, uh, that will play in, uh, England and Germany in 2023, all five of those teams, AFC teams, uh, by the mm. way, uh, bills, Titans and Jaguars will play in, uh, in. In London, and I think the Chiefs and the uh, Patriots will will be the home teams for the two games in Germany. Uh, uh, it's going to be a later date before we find out who those five teams will play in those five separate games. But with all five of those teams slated to be the uh, the home teams, it's easy to look at look at the opponents for 2023 for the Steers and, and know that. Uh, the Steelers won't be playing in any of those five games. And on top of it, uh, they're not going to be playing in Mexico. Nobody's going to be playing in Mexico in, uh, 2023 because they're doing, uh, renovations to that stadium and all. So going to have to wait another year, at least another year before you see the Steelers play internationally. 2024 has got to be it though. Right. I mean, we, 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 it seems like we say this every year. We do. We do. Yeah.
1: I don't, I mean, I don't know what. There's also things about stadium contracts and, you know, how many home games a a team might be required to play that, that may go into this calculation of how they decide who's playing internationally. And I don't know the exact, you know, lease terms of AcroSure stadium. Um, but that's something to consider as well. So we'll see. It's not happening this year and, um, you know, that's fine by me. I'm going to make a
0: prediction. It will be 2024, whether it be Mexico, uh, England or Germany, uh, 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 internet, you know they'll they'll play internationally. I'm going to go out on a limb there right now.
1: It, it would make sense. I mean, Pittsburgh's going to be a big draw no matter where they go. So I'm surprised it hasn't happened. I mean, it hasn't happened since was it the Vikings game the last time Pittsburgh played right, international? Right,
0: right, To what 2013 season? It's been uh, that long. Wow. Yeah, go there and get your ass kicked by the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: start 0-4 that year. And, um, and,
0: and personally, I think it should be Mexico. Uh, I, well, I, yeah, I mean I, the, I, the
1: the draws there is pretty obvious, right?
0: Right. I, I, I think it's time.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, So we, we shall see. Uh, maybe that's why they're not playing internationally this year so they can play internationally next year. Although I don't know if you have to what the rules are in doing it back to back years. I think teams have done that already. So anyway, uh, you wanted to mention, um, how about really quickly, Anthony Miller, his contract details, just a, a quick update on that.
0: Yeah, it ended up being uh, just as I thought it would be uh, a, a veteran benefit contract for Anthony Miller. Uh, it is just one year. Those veteran benefit contracts come with uh, 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 a discounted uh, salary cap charge there. So his base salary is technically one point oh eight million dollars and uh, nine hundred and forty thousand uh, cap charge on him. No bonus money was. They could have given up uh, up up to one hundred and fifty two thousand five hundred of bonus money uh, in that for to still qualify for that. They did not do that. Same as last year, about this same time. I think he signed a one year veteran benefit deal as well too. Uh, you know, you barely you use any top fifty one cap space in this because of the discounted uh, salary cap charge. So the fact that he's, I mean, why? Why wouldn't you re-sign him if he's willing to sign for that to compete for a roster spot this offseason?
1: Right. Yeah. So that makes sense there. And, you know, he should be healthy and, and ready to go for training camp and add some, some veteran depth uh, to the room. So, all right, Dave, getting ready for divisional weekend here. We want to make Wait, our r- real, real
0: quick, what turn- about the specialist brought in?
1: Oh yeah, they were. Well, they worked out for. They haven't signed anybody, right? right. So, um, you know, I don't know if they're planning on doing a futures deal with any of those guys. I have to pull up the list of names here. Uh, let me just. Uh, it would that. make
0: it would make sense though uh, for them to add a, sure. a a kicker and a punter this year. Just, to- I'm sure
1: they will. Yeah, will they bring in a long snapper? I think right. uh, Christian Koontz needs some competition. Uh, Joseph Charlton, I think, was a kind of a bigger name prospect coming out of TCU. That was the the one name that, that struck me, but. Um, until they sign somebody, I'll just kind of, kind of wait and see on that one. Okay. All right, Dave, divisional weekend coming up here before we will uh, make our picks for, uh, divisional playoffs. Let's hear from our friends over at my bookie.
0: Absolutely. It's a new year, new you. So give yourself a fresh start with MyBookie. Whether you bet to earn or to make the games more exciting, MyBookie gives you the most for your money with their redesigned deposit bonus. Use promo code TERRIBLE on a deposit of $50 or more to receive a cash bonus instantly to your MyBookie account. Using this bonus is simple. Bet your deposit amount just once and you're ready to cash out. It's no strings attached with my bookie bet on the NFL, the UFC, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly online blackjack tournaments that they have with so many brands to choose from. You need a platform that makes it simple to bet, and win like my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Additional promo details. The new deposit bonus is a 10% cash bonus on any first-time deposits up to $2,000. The minimum deposit amount is $50 and the maximum bonus amount is $200. This bonus only has a one-time playthrough amount, which means that bonus doesn't lock you in, which is a major pain point for online gamblers. Focus on the cash-in, cash-out aspect of the bonus and not the per- Amount so uh, once again thanks to our friends at uh, MyBookie you can find them at MyBookie.ag. Uh,
1: All right, Dave, let's make our picks for the games this weekend.
0: Do we have to? You've been kicking my
1: <laughs> hiney,
0: uh here uh, because of, I've been trying to play the play the game of make up ground on you here. This time I'm not going to do that this week. I'm just going to pick. I'm going to pick pick these the way I think they're going to go because uh, I, I don't even think I can catch you at this point anyway. So uh, that's how. I think I went Owen. <laughs> I think really? I was. I think I was Owen last year, last week. Oh no! Uh, last week, Owen. How many games were there? Uh, six. Uh, Owen six. I think I was Owen oh, six. Uh, let's see. Jacksonville Jaguars on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs laying nine points in this one at home.
1: Yeah, interesting one. The big comeback that Jacksonville had. You know, the Chiefs don't always cover. Sometimes they get a little. Makes it interesting for a little bit, but just too much Chiefs, too much firepower offensively. I'm going Casey at home.
0: Doug Peterson talking something about uh, the best best place for trick plays is Twitter. Did you see something on that yesterday? I
1: did, yeah. So be <laughs> sure to tweet some out, Dave.
0: All right. Uh... It's a big line, uh, but I, I think Cinderella comes crashing down here. I'm with you. Give me the Chiefs, to lay the nine points in this. It, it, just common sense here. New York Football Giants, on the road against the Eagles, uh, seven and a half points. Interesting line here. Eagles laying seven and a half at home against the G Man. Man, uh, Dan- Daniel Jones going to make him some uh, some money this offseason.
1: Oh yeah, A lot of money. And Dude had what 17 carries last week. He's like part running back, part quarterback um you know the eagles were my super bowl uh, nfc pick before the year i'm going to stick with that in this one and pick the eagles to win but eagles giants divisional game rivals those games are always tight they're always close regardless of the on paper stuff so eagles win giants cover
0: yeah i think you look at the uh uh, the regular season adjusted net yards for passing attempt stuff and all like that the giants are uh, i think of the remaining teams are, are lowest uh uh, differential and everything uh, within all that uh, the Eagles had had some time to get healthy here, obviously at home. Uh, I, I just think it's going to be too much. So I'm going to go with you on this one as well, too. Uh, Late at seven and a half. All
1: right. What's next?
0: Uh, Cincinnati Bengals on the road against the Buffalo Bills. Five and a half. Interesting line here. Bills laying five and a half at home against the Bengals.
1: Well, that's a bigger line than I thought it would be. This one is going to be an emotional game for a lot of reasons. All the obvious ones of the the week 16 or week 17 game that was canceled um, after what happened to DeMar Hamlin. Man, which way do we go in this one with the way the Bills, you know, struggled to to hold off the Dolphins last week, although the Bengals had their hands full with Baltimore. So, you know, it kind of goes both ways. I, that's just too big of a line for me, Dave. I'm going to say the Bengals at least cover this one.
0: Whew, I'm, I'm going to go the other way for me. I think Buffalo gets it right uh, uh, this week and really, really clicks on all cylinders here. I will take the bills. I'm going uh, chalk, 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 uh, lay the five and a half bills at home against the uh, uh, Bengals there. Uh, Dallas Cowboys to round out the weekend on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers at home. Boy, in the old days, this, I mean, this seemed like this happened every year in the playoffs
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, 49ers and the Cowboys, and in San Francisco at that. 49ers laying four at home against the Cowboys.
1: Yeah. You know, this one's still tough to gauge. The, the 49ers just have such a, a well oiled system. I did pick against the Cowboys last week, and I definitely got that one extremely, extremely wrong. Man, this one's tough. Probably the toughest call I've had to make here so far. I'll lean. I'll lean San Francisco.
0: I think Dallas, I think, uh, I think that defense with Parsons and all, uh, will, will, I think they'll just be able to finally frustrate, uh, Purdy and get after him with pressure. I bet they sack him a bunch in this game, maybe get a turnover or two or something like this. I think Dallas not only covers this, I think Dallas, uh, uh, wins it out right here, uh,
1: okay.
0: on the road, uh, so I will take those four points, uh, uh, and, and, and go that way.
1: All right. That sounds good. We will see what happens. Um, day before we close out today's show, let's get to a couple of reader emails.
0: All right. I don't know if we have all that many in here this time around. Let's look here real quick. All right. Uh, Arthur Elliott writes in listening to the show over the last couple of months. I think we are in agreement. That the defense should be the focus of this draft, especially early. That being said, I was curious what your take is on the team going after Jordan Addison or Michael Mayer. Uh, I think Addison has that no crap speed you talk about. And I think Mayer, could be another tight end that can help the passing game but also be a strong blocker, stronger blocker than Pat. The tandem of Pat and Mayer could be dangerous. Uh have a blessed day. And thank you for all the work that you do. Man, I tell you, I I I probably have watched one full game uh of 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 Mayor. Uh I obviously know who he is cuz he's top ranked, you know, one of the top ranked tight ends in this this year's class uh and all uh It's an interesting proposition, you know, especially if they weren't to re-sign Gentry. It just, it feels like it it doesn't feel like something that they would do when it, when it comes to mayor, uh, Jordan Addison, you're going to continue to hear that name. I don't think he's as fast as, as well. I mean, props to Kenny Pickett, every interview he's trying to sell people underrated speed and all like that. Uh, I think Kenny's trying to oversell him a little bit on that from at least from what I've seen there. I don't think it's impossible when it comes to Addison that I think that's going to be my take from now until round one of the draft is I I don't think it's totally unthinkable because of the ties there. And because, uh, you know, Addison's uh, position flexibility and ability to play in the slot and, and familiarity and who else is going to be on the board there uh, and you know, look, Addison might not even make it that far. But uh, it is—it is, you know, the only middle of January there. I would be—I'd be more surprised if Mayor winds up the selection.
1: I would be too. If you went with Mayor, you're you're committing to the Cleveland Browns approach of twelve personnel all the time, apart from your eleven personnel philosophy that's been Pittsburgh system since I don't know oh seven oh eight something like that. Um, and just given the, the weight and need uh, this team has elsewhere for, for the way that I think this team will build the roster out. I don't think that's going to be the consideration for Pittsburgh Addison, as you said, more likely, how likely uh, I'm not quite sure. And I, I will be interested to see what he runs. I'm with you. I felt like he was a higher four, fours kind of guy when I went through his tape, but you know, Kenny Pickett saying this guy might, might chalk people. So we'll just have to wait and see.
0: All right, uh, Justin Brisbane writes in the 32nd pick in the draft uh, should carry a fifth-year team option, but it won't since it's considered a second round of this year. How enticed uh, should the students be to trade up a few spots if there is someone they really like to cash in on the extra year uh, and a bit more control of said player? Would would that trade potentially be worth it or am I overvaluing the extra year? He says, I've heard you guys mention that extra year quite a few times uh, before, making me think it's fairly significant. Yeah, I, I you know, I haven't dealt, I haven't drilled down into, you know, how much of, 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 uh, added value there is from, let's see, even say a jump of two spots up in, you know, where you are getting control of that fifth year option there, uh, it is significant to a, to a degree because it does give you another year of, of technical, technically control, but within that, uh, it comes with a price. It's not like it's it's oh here you go it's it's a free year here because you have to you know it, it's obviously a significant increase in pay if you issue out that fifth year option and fully guaranteed and all like that. So it's not like it's it's uh, oh here's your fifth you know here here's your fifth year option. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I man, it comes with a cost, but within all that there, you know, I don't have a great answer of telling you, Justin, of trying to calculate how much it's worth. And I think the, really the root of your question here is how enticed should the steers be to trade up a few spots? Well, even if it's a few spots and you're talking about getting into the first round, it's probably going to cost you. I mean, it depends on how much you move up and is it is would it cost you your second round pick to do it? you know your other second round pick to do it, or are we talking about a third round pick? you know, I guess it depends on what it costs, you know uh, sure. I would looking kind of looking at the big picture of your question here, justin, you know to to trade up a couple i I just I don't see them doing it if that's what you're asking,
1: yeah, I mean, I really can't answer if they're gonna do it or not because we're all just talking in vague you know in in a vacuum, in a vacuum right now to, I, we we har- we harp on the difference because it is the big difference fifth year option versus you know no fifth year option that's kind of the significance whenever you exit round 1 but to me it's less about that and more about the player himself right. focus on the player not focus on you know those other external kind of factors there's a benefit to it there's a cost to it as you, as you laid out but would they do it just depends on a million variables how far up are you moving even from you know 30 three or, you know, the first pick of the second round to the very end of the first round, or are you going up 10 spots? I mean, what is, what is the player? What does the whole roster look like? What does that p- particular position look like in terms of the strength of the draft class? I mean, you know, would they do it? Would they not do it with a new regime? I really can't predict that stuff.
0: Right. I mean, look, I mean, it, once again, it, if it's, if it's a player that you think's not going to make, if it's a player that you absolutely have to have, uh, if it's a player that you're convinced is not going to be there two picks later, I don't care if there's a fifth, you
1: know, right, fifth exactly. year
0: option involved or not, is basically what you're saying, right?
1: If you're, yeah, if you're trading up for somebody, it's not to secure the fifth year option. That's a, a side bonus, a, a benefit. It's to secure the player. It's not, right. it's not, it's not fifth year option driven. It's, it's prospect driven.
0: Right. And that's, that's the biggest takeaway I, I, I think when it comes to a question such as that. Right. Uh, uh, Joe Mendoza writes in, Thank you for another excellent year of coverage. Uh, you guys are best, and it's very, un- uh, very appreciated. Uh, the past year wasn't a true success, no Super Bowl happening, but given expectation, blah blah blah. Uh he says I'm fair I'm a fairly cynical fan but this year provided a couple of jump out of your seat moments notably Kenny's TDs against the Raiders and the Ravens. Uh it's been a long time since anything this exciting has happened. I had to go back to Debo's Super Bowl T- TD, Troy's interception for a TD against the Ravens. Uh let's see the shortness up here. When's the last Okay, when is the last time you guys had a literal or proverbial jump out of your seat moment with the steers. He says, "Apologies, Davis. I know your back doesn't allow
1: you <laughs> uh,
0: your old vertical jump." Uh but you know what I mean in these moments. Also, why is the team not good at screens, especially uh, to the running backs? Boy, you want to talk about a team that better get better at their screens with with hope you know some continuity on offense uh, this offseason. season. This uh, this team better get better at at screens and not uh, ineligible downfield uh a lot of it's timing driven on 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 the screens and you know and obviously design and execution i mean there there's so many different things that go into it but uh it, it obviously has become a running joke of this team cannot run running back screens
1: continuity this team couldn't run a screen if divine intervention played a role i mean there's just no hope i'm hopeless on on them ever running a successful running back screen again at least not one uh, called back by penalty yeah, I, my last uh, jump out of the seat moment, yeah, I I thought just the overall game against the Ravens that Kenny Pickett played, but especially that last drive, Um, to me that was, yeah, the Raiders game was, was a good last drive, but I thought Pickett kind of played pretty poorly before then. Even on that final drive, had a couple of uh, mistakes. He kind of almost was picked, and, and Najee Harris was able to kind of bat a pass away. But I thought the entire performance against Baltimore was pretty electric. Uh, the touchdown, of course, but even that throw to Steven Sims for 24 yards, which was maybe his best individual throw just based on a throw difficulty score index that I'm making up right now uh, of the season that, that just laser to Sims with Hamilton trailing safety over the top linebacker underneath. I mean, just could not have walked up and handed that ball any better to Steven Sims who made a nice catch. So that was kind of one of those for me that maybe that particular moment was a jump out of my seat type of moment.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with the, the touchdown to Najee uh, was one of those. Oh, wow. You know, it was like that one of those things that you really were hoping to see uh, an aspect of uh, of Kenny's game to come out. So that would be one. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, the George Pickens catch against the Browns early yeah, in the season. that's I mean, a good one, too. Uh, good Lord, have mercy. I mean, uh, I still think that might be end up getting an SP this year or should be uh, definitely be in the, it will be in that highlight reel of, one of the five plays or whatever, I, I, I would think when it comes to that. So, uh, those, those would be kind of jump out of, out of, out of seat moments uh, when it comes to the Steelers this year. Uh, Michael rocket writes in, uh, OC backup plan, dear wise men of the terrible podcast. I'm finding the concept and decision-making process around keeping Matt Canada. I'm not happy with his overall results, but, but except the one, he, uh, he and the office uh, improved over the course of the year. I respected that the Steelers give their hires the full content content uh, contract link to develop themselves. With that said, based on your histor- historical knowledge, okay, this is going to, this is going towards a, uh, uh, Byron left, which yeah, question I here, can tell. uh, here, uh, Mike, I don't, don't need to belabor, uh, the point here. I mean, we, we talked about this earlier in the, in the show, it just it really feels like something to to write about here when it comes to to Lutt, which i mean would it hurt to have another set you know of eyes in there i mean how how many sets of eyes do you have in there and how how you know how big a difference would it make in all this i We'll see if it happens. I mean, I I wouldn't sit here and say, oh, what an awful decision to 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 hire Byron Leftwich as an assistant quarterback coach or assistant to the head coach or anything along those lines. Look, Mike Tomlin likes Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich likes Mike. Mike Tomlin. It's uh he obviously played for the Steelers. He knows the culture, everything that goes along uh, within that. Uh, but is it necessary for this offense to take the next step? to add that no uh i don't i don't believe it is to me it feels like more of the the hot take of the of the post canada dis- decision here
1: i just dislike the framing of of even the the question there of the oc backup plan i just think that's a really bad way to have a process and, and to, to let a guy work if canada's returning then you're confident in canada and don't have the appearance of moves, at least in the way that it's being framed. Of we're we're getting ready if you're a replacement just in case. And I'm not saying that hiring Byron Leftwich, to, Pittsburgh actually did that would would indicate that. Um, but the suggestion that that hire Leftwich as a as a to pull the ripcord on if Canada doesn't have a good year. I mean, you know, if the if if you if you had your job, you're nine to five, and they brought in somebody as your assistant, and you felt like they're about to take your job if you don't do your job you feel pretty weird about that. It's probably harder to work. It's harder to really feel confident um, in, 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 in the business. So I just think it's a really bad process overall. So as you said, not opposed to it in principle, but to do it as a true benefit to this team, not as a uh, you know, this is our backup plan. If Matt Canada doesn't work out.
0: Bryce wants to know out of all their snaps, who averaged the most successful run rates during the season, Warren or Harris out of, I think those two were really, really. I don't have it in front of me, Bryce. I uh, what? I'll tell you this. I uh, uh, I think uh, and and didn't. Uh, uh, Clayton just had an article on the site about this, about you know different uh, uh, metrics there and, and run success rates uh, across the league there. And I think the Steers were somewhere around I don't know fifty four uh, percent and all like that. I, I as the season progressed and 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 especially post buy, uh, it, it became more and more apparent this team was running more successfully and, and look, successful runs are determined obviously on, on, on down and distance. So, you know, you're looking for, you know, four and a half yards on first and 10 or more uh, you're looking for 50% of the yards on second down or more. And obviously on third and fourth down, you wanting uh, 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 100% of the yards needed. Uh, they moved in the right direction. i Oh, I had to go. I don't. I don't remember looking at this since the season ended. I want to say Najee maybe edged out Warren on a successful run uh, percentage basis, but uh, I I think the main takeaway here uh, should be that it was up in the fifties. And I'm a firm believer, man. If you're gonna have a good running game that that number needs to be 50% or high, 55% or higher. Uh, it used to be, I think 50%, but uh, I think some of the metrics have changed. It used to be four four yards in a cloud of dust or better. I think now it's four and a half, uh, uh, those kind of things there. So I think the biggest takeaway, if you want to concern yourself with, with this, is that, and look, the, the quarterback sneaks were there. The, the Derek Watt inside uh, handoffs uh, were there. Uh, Everybody, you know, the, the hot take right now uh, coming out of the season, the whole Matt Canada thing are, were, were these jet sweeps and all the jet sweeps weren't awful, folks.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were I forget the exact metrics, but they did overall work. So it's hard to be too mad about that. I'm you know, looking at Clayton's numbers. It looks like Pittsburgh was 11th in uh, successful run rate uh, offensively, which is a pretty good number.
0: Right, right. I mean, look, we, we, we've seen this be a lot worse last several years here. Uh, but, it, you know, look, stop with the jet sweep BS. I mean, I, I, we, we get it and they, they ran a whole lot of them. we get it. Maybe they'll run, uh, uh, you know, a, a few a few fewer uh, next season. But I think the biggest aspect of they having some guys, you know, carry the ball in those situations that that, you know, aren't aren't. Guys, you know, like to Claypool on, on a few of those, those, you know, those weren't great because, you know, he doesn't have that, that breakaway speed, you know, Sims, Sims did a good job on a couple of them, right?
1: Yeah. And once Calvin Austin gets back, that's a guy that I would expect to be good know, used quite a bit in, in that aspect
0: thing that you don't want to do with him is you don't want to. And I talked about this one after they drafted them and, you know, every kind of smallest guy, you don't want him to be that, Oh, here comes in Calvin Austin into the game. You can tell by, cause he's got that red flashing light on his helmet uh, there, you know, uh, that, that aspect of it there, you got to find a way to use those guys in your offense outside of just handling the football in those certain, certain situations.
1: Sure. But I don't think Sims had that feel this year. I think the I think well, they just didn't throw to him in a slide. They just yeah. I think the bigger issue is that you wanna make sure that you're um run pass balance because like for example when Gunner was in the game, I think early in the year their their run rate was like ninety something percent when Oshevsky was on the field and you got to make sure those numbers you have some more balance based on your personnel, even if a specific guy's not always getting the football.
0: All right. Uh, I think we hit uh, all the questions there. It ended up being a few more than I thought that we had there. Uh, would you like to add anything before we close this out? Well, what are we, about an hour and 15 minutes here?
1: Yeah, we're on good good pace today, so wrap things up. See what the weekend brings us. Watch some playoff football, and then come back Monday.
0: Uh, we will do that. We'll, we, we will recap the divisional round. We will... See what else happens during this weekend. We don't know if the uh, the Rooney bat signal is going to go up here pretty soon. I think we're uh, we're we're rooting for it to go up today. But I think if you look back historically, it's like the last Wednesday through Friday somewhere within that uh, of, of of the month. So we're probably going to be. I just hope they don't wait till next Friday. Do it do it next. Do it today or do it next Wednesday or something because Rooney does the whole world tour thing after that, right? uh, uh goes so. on goes on all the radio stations after that and all but uh, anyway if anything does happen you can read about it on steedersdepot.com uh we'll obviously be talking about anything that happens on the podcast on monday so in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. You can follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button, up upright, navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, hit the ad-free button, up upright, navigational bar as well. So until Monday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.